2: Three great words. Free fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. ba 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 one time on Fridays at
0: participating. McDonald's through twelve thirty one twenty four. through Excludes tax. Must update rewards. Hello and welcome to the Olive magazine podcast. My name is Laura Rowe. I'm the editor of the magazine. You might see my little face at the front each month, but each week myself and the rest of the Olive magazine gang are here to bring you the latest food, drink and travel news straight to your eardrum. Lucky you. This week, we have got a fantastic roundup of things to talk about. First, we have Alex, our editorial assistant and digital writer, talking about her brilliant weekend away in Helsinki, where she has been trying everything from reindeer meatballs to rhubarb pie for breakfast and honey nectar mead. We've also got Michael Z of Symmetry Breakfast fame. You might have been a long-term follower of his Instagram account. He's got some 600,000 followers at the moment, but now is your chance to hear what he sounds like, find out how it all started and learn about his new cookery book and finally we have our lovely cookery team janine and anna talking us through our milk feature in our september issue we have a really really incredible collection of recipes from genevieve taylor a bristol food writer using this humble ingredient that you have in your fridge all the time so sit back get comfortable and be prepared to feel very very hungry Now when we plan our holidays, food is always at the heart of our itineraries and nobody in the Olive team, except for perhaps the travel editor, puts that into practice more than our resident globetrotter Alex. And this week she's revealing her latest food finds in the Finnish capital, Helsinki. Okay, so I am here, Laura, hello, with Alex, our editorial assistant and digital writer. Hello. Um, now, Alex is a renowned traveller amongst the team, and she's always off jet-setting about to lots of different exciting places. And this weekend, she went to Helsinki, um, yes. which was a bit of... <laughs> it was an unusual choice, yes. and none, not many of us in the office have been there. I think uh, Rihanna, our travel editor, has been, but no one else has. Mm-hmm. And I know you were saying a lot of your friends were like, Alex... Yeah. Why the hell Helsinki? So, w- why? <laughs> why, <laughs> well, I'm please? Good to tell you. Uh,
3: yeah, so before we went, a lot of people said it's very random because obviously lots of people are going to places like Copenhagen mm. and Stockholm and other um, Nordic co- uh, countries and cities. And I think I was speaking to Rhiannon, our travel editor, about it, and she said that. Um it used to be really expensive to get to. Right. So not many people could afford to go. And also it's um very, very expensive once you're there. Okay. Um but actually I found it was about the same as Copenhagen and um Gothenburg in Sweden. And even though there are obviously everywhere you go, there's a really expensive place, but you can mm. do it really you can do it cheaper okay. um, as well. Um, and even people when we were there were saying, do you mind me asking why you here? <laughs> we're
2: like, are you sure that wasn't specific to you? <laughs>
3: well, yeah, it was, it was strange. But um, I went because um, I know somebody from Helsinki and um, she said I'd absolutely love it because I love coffee culture, and I love like, Scandinavian mm-hmm. design and everything. Um, and it does have a lot of similarities with um, other Nordic countries with the food, but they have the, their own take on it. Okay. And one thing that I really noticed about it is um, it was so calm, and um, the Finns are renowned for being very calm, and they're very happy just sitting in silence, yeah. which is a bit difficult for me. But, um, <laughs> but they're, they're very happy just – I think it comes from – the sauna culture.
0: Yeah.
3: Because it was amazing being there because people just, you just go to the sauna after work or, you, you know, it's just the thing you do rather than going to the gym. Yeah. You go to, I'm sure they go to the gym as well. I mean, that sounds like
0: my kind of uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> workout.
3: Um, but, um, they um yeah, and there's... Loads of saunas in Helsinki, and they have the private ones, but there's a lot of public ones as well, and they're still in use. And there's um, some very, very traditional ones. But one of the favorite places, my favorite places that I went there was um, a new sauna, and it's it's very upmarket. It's called Loli. Okay. Which is, uh, it's, um, I'm glad you spelt, were reading that and not me. <laughs> yes, it's spelled L-O-Y-L-Y. And okay. we were told that we were pronouncing it wrong. But um, yeah, it's very upmarket and you get a two-hour slot and you can use the two saunas and it's all very wooden and very very cool and scanty and it's lovely and you can go and dip in the sea after as well which oh amazing it sounds awful but actually you do want to because yeah. you, you know um, and then you're going to sip on champagne by the log fire at the end and then you go into the, they've got an amazing bar which is right on the front mm. and you can go and have traditional finished food like uh, we had reindeer meatballs with Lincolnberry jam God,
0: that and good.
3: also Finnish gin and tonics which were really good that
0: sounds very like you Alex to <laughs> seek out the gin and tonic in yes, the area. So definitely. what made it a finished gin and tonic, please?
3: Um, well, they have a gin, which I was told about before I went, because yes, I was, everyone knows I love gin. <laughs> um, and it's called... Well, I think it's pronounced napu, gin, N-A-P-U-E, and it's distilled in Cairo Distillery, um, which is further north in Finland, so we couldn't get there. But it has all the, like, the Finnish um, botanicals and flavours coming through, like meadow sweet, sea buckthorn, cranberries and birch leaves. Oh, so it's quite refreshing
0: and almost
3: sour, was it? Yeah, well, it's served with cranberries as well and rosemary. Lovely. Um, And it's really, really nice and fresh and... um, they use birch leaves a lot we had um we we stayed in hotel lila roberts which was a really nice new hotel in the center in the design district and um they had these nordic cocktails and There was one which was a Midsummer's Eve cocktail, and they had spring birch infused gin uh, with Saint Germain Elderflower and topped up with bubbly. And Mm -hmm. then they had birch leaves around in this amazing glass. I put a picture on Instagram if you um, look at Olive Magazine's Instagram. And um, they burnt, they set like. They set the birch leaves alight, so okay. the smoke from the birch leaves comes up, and Amazing. we smell of birch leaves the whole evening. <laughs> but um,
0: there's worse yeah. things to so, smell yeah, of. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it was lovely. So nice. So we we've heard a lot about the drinks. What about mm-hmm. the food? What are kind of the classics?
3: Um Well, as I said, that it there's quite a lot of similarities with Sweden, and mm-hmm. a lot of um, Finland is a bit, there's a lot of Swedish-speaking Fin. So there's a lot of uh, cross culture. Yeah. Um. Um. But the probably one of the most standout dishes is the fish soup lohikeitto.
0: Okay.
3: Um and we had that at a lovely bar called Cafe Success which is a really traditional old bar and you can go and have cinnamon buns and this fish soup there. Okay. So I recommend going there if you're going to go to Helsinki. And we've also got a recipe on our website for Okay. Him, and it's um it's salmon and uh, it's like creamy, but it's really light and creamy. soup with potato and Do you know dill. What? I remember
0: this in the test kitchen now. It's a very yeah. nice soup indeed. Yeah, that's yeah, a really good one to refreshing. check out on olivemagazine.com.
3: Yes. And then they also have these, um, they call them mo- moiku. Uh, but they're known in English as Vondas. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Right. And they're like salty. They're like white bait a little bit. And they're mm. salty fried little fish. And they're sold everywhere as street food. So you have them with chips or just in cones. And you just eat them like you would chips, right. which is really nice. Yeah. And then um, also there's there's this uh, tradition. Well, I think it's a new tradition. It's called sapas. Okay. So it's Finnish tapas. Great. And we had them at a gorgeous restaurant called Jury. J U U R I, and they have lots of local flavours in tiny little portions. Okay. Um, so they have things like grouse with birch and the Vondas again. And um, then they have this Finnish rye bread, which they dry out um, and they have it hanging from their ceilings, which is very it's really interesting to see those because they're like massive wheels. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and then also the breakfasts are really lovely. Um, in the the hotel we had like blueberries rhubarb pie and oh. um, honey nectar mead which was really interesting all of these were yeah. breakfasts yes <laughs> I know it was a brilliant breakfast it was uh-huh. on a Monday as well so I was feeling very smug yeah we um, just saw
0: Alex's Instagram <laughs> room in the office and we were like thank you for that <laughs> yeah and they also have Will a I'll lot have of a salmon toast?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah juniper make salmon and herring and everything so that's yeah brilliant and then right. they have also they have they're obsessed with coffee. Okay. So they don't just have it for breakfast, they have it about five times a day. So it's like tea in England. So they are
0: buzzing. Yeah. That's what you're saying. <laughs>
3: yeah, all the time. <laughs> Which is like, because in Sweden they have Fika. So okay. they have um, cinnamon buns and coffee. But in Finland they have a lot of cinnamon buns as well. Okay. Um, and a really, if you're going to Helsinki, a really lovely thing to do is sit by. Well, it's not. It looks like a lake, but it's mm-hmm. actually a bay because it's part of the sea. Okay. And it's called Toulon Lati Lake. And um, if you go and sit on, there's two cafes: one Cafe Tinny and one Cafe Sinisen Huvilin. I will write all this up by the way, <laughs> so you can look on OliveMagazine.com because I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it. I'm correct. very much enjoying <laughs> your pronunciation. <laughs> um, and yeah, you can sit and have cinnamon buns or blueberry ice cream because they're obsessed with white garden blueberries. Mm. Um, and also, um, for a bit more of a trendy spot, there's a a place called Calio and that's the, like the more studenty, like young hip district and there's a place called good life coffee which is really nice to just sit in and watch the world go by okay
0: i'm a big fan of doing that yes Uh, when i go to a place (laughs) i think it's a really good way to kind of get the feel of an area definitely so are there any other like cool hangouts or trendy spots that i need to go to when i book my helsinki trip
3: yes well i as i said that my one of my um friend she she's from Helsinki and she told us to go to a place called Fafas um and it's a bad place and when
0: we when we <laughs> a bad place okay
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, well do we saw pictures of it and where we turned up we were like oh really <laughs> yeah. uh, but it it's like an institution there yeah. all of the the well anybody cool yeah anybody young or old or whatever of age and um we went and sat in there and Uh, had it's like upmarket kebabs and they have pita breads filled with things like they have like coriander and chili patties or they have like aubergine and like um halloumi so they have loads there cool but that's really good to go to to actually just get a bit of a taste of like the local life yeah and also there's another really cool place called skiffer and it's a pizza place, which is a little. Well, it's like two-minute boat ride, but yeah. you have to get a boat, so they charge you quite a lot to get out there. But um, it's it's in the middle of the sea, That's and really cool. uh, you can have pizzas and there's DJs, and it's really cool. That sounds really um, cool. And it's you can have rainbow trout and some veg on the pizza, which is a Finnish, um which is all like finished produce. So good. Um, but yeah, it's very
0: cold. Yeah,
3: <laughs> is that a thing? Uh. Yes. Uh they even though it's it's freezing, we went in I've just come back, so it was, you know, mid August mm-hmm. and that's another reason why people are like, Why are you going there? Mm-hmm. But um it was cold but it was lovely and it's really fresh and everyone they just sit outside at any opportunity. They have blankets everywhere great. and all the cafes are outside and they also have all these crayfish parties because that's they've great. taken that tradition from from mm-hmm. the Swedes. Um you know, they say they they invented it as well because there's crayfish everywhere. Yeah, but um, they're always out outdoors, and it's really lovely. Actually, you just need to wrap up warm, so, especially in the
0: winter, because I went in August and yeah. we still
3: had to wrap up.
0: Pack your thermals. <laughs> yes, pack your thermals. Book your coffee shops and yeah. uh get on your gin and tonic yes yeah sounds like a really really good weekend yeah it was really I really do recommend it even though it's quite random <laughs> okay <it? laughs> well not so random now you've explained no. it um so <laughs> thank you very much no worries. um I'll be reading olivemagazine.com very soon to read all about yes. about it in more detail and um thank you very much Alex no look forward to your next adventure yep. thank you The latest issue of Olive Magazine, the one with the giant freak-shaped cheesecake on the cover, is a true ode to one of 2016's big food trends, Breakfast and Brunch. Now, we've got a fantastic feature inside that issue, including recipes from Anna Akakuri writer, such as Breakfast Pizza, we've got Dutch Babies with Ice Cream, yes, that is allowed at breakfast, I promise, and Sri Lankan Hoppers. We've also got a really incredible recipe from Michael Z, who you may know better as the co-founder of cult Instagram account, Symmetry Breakfast. This week, Janine, our food editor, has managed to grab him away from his book, Tall Madness, to tell us about where it all began.
1: So, today we've got um, Michael Z in the studio with us, and we're talking about his Instagram account, Symmetry Breakfast, and his new book, Symmetry Breakfast, which is based on the Instagram account. Um, Michael, when we published this month um, a recipe from your book, and we were talking about the book in the magazine, it was when we went to press it, 550,000 followers. And I think as of this morning, you've got 619,000 followers. So you're, <laughs> so you're gaining week by week. And yeah. it's been an amazing story. Can you just tell us about you know, how, how it came to be, basically?
2: Uh, yeah, so it, it started when um, Mark moved in with me, which was uh, early 2013. Yeah. And um, he, at the time, was working at Burberry, Nice. And he he was he was designing the the men's catwalk show. Okay, and he I mean anyone who knows someone who works in fashion knows that it's a completely insane industry. Yeah, completely. And in the kind of run up to the men's fashion week, yeah, six weeks before the show, I just I just wouldn't see him. Oh. <laughs> so it was quite surreal. Twelve weeks in the year, mm. this person you're living with, and you kind of see see them for thirty minutes in the morning. Yeah. You know, when you're brushing your teeth and having a bowl so of cereal. So you
1: occasionally made it home at night from from the studio. Well, the,
2: the <laughs> sometimes you know I'd be fast asleep, would be he'd arrive home two two in the morning, three wow. in the morning, and go slide into bed next to me, and then I would just wake up the next day, and he would be there. That's heavy. Um, so it kind of started out of that um, those beginnings of we were both working full time, but he was so much busier than I was. Yeah. Um, so I then started to make breakfast. Uh, And it was just a thing that we did when we were first going out. And, you know, I would go to his at the weekend or he would come to mine at the weekend. And I think it really shifted when we started living together because I was no longer sharing with a friend. So, you know, when when you're sharing as a student, you have your shelf in the fridge and you have your (laughs) cupboard in the kitchen. But eventually, uh, you know, it was the first time I'd lived with someone um, who was you know, a boyfriend, Yeah, and so the kitchen became mine. So it was, you know, you can make as much mess as you like, you can buy as much stuff as you like, you don't have to worry about, you know, the milk or, oh, that's my milk, that's your milk. <laughs> um, you know, and it just became more comfortable. Yeah, and uh,
1: you could show your love through the medium of breakfast. Yeah, and, and the, other,
2: the other big shift was the fact that we... Um, we decided not to have a second, a spare bedroom. Because okay. Mark moved was doing with me and I was sharing, so it was a, it's a two-bed flat. Oh, so
1: you just, yeah. So we
2: decided to turn that bedroom into the dining room. Yeah. Two-bought so dining table and it became, you know, somewhere we could actually sit down that wasn't, you know, on the edge of the sofa.
1: It's quite a luxury in London, isn't
2: it, to have that? I, I, it's, it's, it's very, I don't uh, sometimes, I sometimes forget how lucky I am to have a dining room yeah. in a rented property.
1: And then, and, and then how did Instagram happen from there? I mean, that's quite a jump to think, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll just set up an Instagram account and put it on every single day.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, the, the breakfasts first started off very kind of run of the mill. Um, but then as they slowly became more elaborate, mm. you know, I've, I've always been interested in cooking. Um, and I, I studied photography as my undergraduate. Um, so it wasn't, very, it wasn't very long until I started taking photos of them. What I, was, what I was cooking and not, not so much for anyone else, you know. I, I was a very late adopter to Twitter and Facebook was so personal and yeah. Instagram had just kind of launched for a, only a, few, a year or two before and it didn't have all that function that it does now, like search and whatever. And I remember thinking, what's a hashtag? I, don't know, I couldn't quite understand <laughs> the concept. But I think we've all
1: been there. Yeah.
2: Um, so it kind of very, it started very slowly and... Um, you know it wasn't until one of Mark's old colleagues said I really like these photos you're putting on your personal Instagram okay um you should turn that it into its own thing yeah and it kind of started to slowly slowly grow from there and at the beginning it wasn't every day and at the very start of actually creating the symmetry breakfast Account, I actually got um pneumonia <laughs> so there was oh like a gosh. kind of six week period <laughs> where I didn't take any pictures and yeah, and it, it it was kind of stop, start. It was very sporadic okay. at the beginning. And then it and then it kind of set, the dust settled. And yeah. I got, I, I worked out a kind of routine. And then, yeah, and then it just got picked up by a very large American food, uh, not food blogger. Uh, she's kind of lifestyle makeup
1: oh, okay. fashion
2: called Kat Von D. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I
1: remember Yeah, her.
2: And she reposted one of the photos <sighs> really early on and said, I wish I was inside this girl's brain. Ooh. Um, and that's that's been a kind of ongoing thing. Yeah. People always assume that I'm a girl. Okay. Um. Yeah. So that that so was, she
1: give you a huge boost in terms it, of it an audience. Twenty thousand in one it? night. Wow.
2: Yeah. So it's quite surreal. The power of the you know the what I was at the time very unaware of. Yeah. You know. Um, and did
1: you feel the pressure then of having you know twenty thousand new people looking at your yeah, stuff every day?
2: It was it was a strange um, moment. Because it's kind of like, what do you do?
0: What Would you do with these
2: people who are interested in what you're <laughs> mm. doing? You know, and it, and it, I think it was only from that point that I started to take it seriously. Yeah, uh, and even then, that that was like, I would say, two years before. No, that, that was yeah, that was about two years ago. Yeah. So it was, it's it's been you know a slow burn, yeah. gradual gradual rise.
1: But it seems what's really lovely about about. the the account and the the book there's so much love and heart and passion within it you know you can see like it's it's not really changed as in you've you've developed and you're you're bringing in more and more different countries and more and more different types of breakfast but but essentially it's still the same as you started out making Mm. a breakfast for you and your boyfriend every morning exactly
2: yeah and Um, I think at the very beginning I was very conscious of um the motivation behind it yeah um you know I was working full time at the v and a for the majority of running this wow. account, so <laughs> I never had pressures of having to make money you right. know uh, so i had a full time job in a place that I absolutely loved working so it was it was this, it was for the love of doing it and then when I left the v n a it was and and you know I started to make more money than I was at the v and a wow. the focus <laughs> the sh- the motivation for doing it um there was a shift, and I yeah. was very conscious to not let that Uh, Not let the motivation change. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: Because there is a there is a uh, you see it quite a lot when you know people strike big and and then all of a sudden they're like well I can make that much money I can make that much money from a post and I think I'm very careful to not um, uh, expect money. No. Because you know, as easy as it's been created, it could be gone tomorrow.
1: I mean, it does. It, it comes across as a labour of love, you know, yeah. to me. When I'm when I've, I've when it pops up in my feed, it's always beautiful looking. There's always really interesting ideas there, and um, you know, just looking through the book today because because of your um, because of your account, you you got a book deal, and it's an absolutely stunning book. And um, I think there's is there over a hundred recipes in here.
2: I think it's I think it's between nineteen hundred nineteen hundred. I have mean, actually counted, but some of them, you know. There are multiple components to a recipe, yeah. so whether you count them as one or as three.
1: And each photograph of the the recipes is as one that's been taken by yourself.
2: Yeah. and so the whole book's shot on my phone. Right. Uh, at home, uh, I did everything myself. Didn't, ha- didn't it's have. It's fantastic. A, yeah. I mean,
1: it just shows you te- how technology's come forward. Yeah. Because you would not
2: know this was shot on a phone no I'm, i mean i, <laughs> I know it's, but it's not just the phone, biased, it? it's, like, I see... it's the guy
1: behind the phone as yeah, well yeah, like yeah. you know what to Absolutely. do with that. yeah and
2: i think the interesting thing is people you know uh, the whole thing was shot with just daylight
1: yeah
2: um and you know there were t- they there were days when i couldn't shoot because the light in the in the middle of the day is so bright you don't yeah. get that lovely soft shadow yeah so i was shooting in the, the very early morning and then kind of as the sun was setting yeah. to get that similar get
1: soft light
2: yeah so it was quite interesting because then I used the middle of the day to prep and cook and yeah. plate up and play around with so
1: things. you so you had I mean what a professional photographer would call quite basic equipment but you played with light and you played with mood and that's how you get this fantastic result so again it's like it's you're you're bringing yourself to the pictures as well as mm. just you know snapping things on a phone um it's it's a lovely book and one of the things I think it's great about it as you say in the beginning breakfast means so many different things to so many different people and you often get the comment that's not breakfast Mm. because it's not breakfast for them in their country but in another country you know it could be something that that's you know like congee or whatever it's something that you you would standard eat in in asia Mm. um also it's quite interesting that i notice you've got an Unusual heritage
2: of <laughs> yeah. Scottish, China, Chinese granddad, Scottish. Scottish Chinese, Scouse. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. heady mix. Um, yeah, that, that's had a massive impact. Mm. Um, you know, I, my dad owned Chinese chippies when I was a kid. Yeah. So I worked in them um, in in Liverpool uh, growing up, up until I was about 15, 16, and then he sold them. Um, because none of, I'm the youngest of four and none of my, me or my siblings wanted to, wanted to
1: take it on. Take it on. Yeah. Um,
2: you know, cause my dad who works six days a week and yeah, stank of cold. chip fat and, yeah. <laughs> um, it didn't seem like the best industry mm. to go into. And it's, nothing's changed in, in modern restaurants. Chefs still work yeah, extortionate usually. hours and doubles. Crazy and hours. Crazy hours. Yeah. And, it, uh, Yeah. when when you're 15 it's kind of like "Mm, I'll pass pass on that.
1: Maybe I'll go to art college I don't (laughs) know it seems like a good deal but it's really informed the recipes in the book and I mean it must have been such a huge research job to bring in all of that you know like breakfast from around the world how did you go and source all of these different recipes?
2: Well well, last year Mark and I visited about 15 countries Um, plus the kind of you know, there's there's lots of memories that have uh, are there, but I haven't written explicitly about. It. I remember it was um, 2009. I went to I went to China with my sister, yeah. and um, we went kind of backpacking across the whole of China. Wow! And um, one day we were climbing up this um, mountain called Ma, which is one of yeah. the holy Buddhist mountains in the in the middle of the country. And one day we woke up really. Uh, we were hiking up this mountain, stayed over in a, in a monastery, and the next day. We left at kind of 5 a.m. because we, want, we needed to leave that early to to finish the hike, to then get back, to so then get the train back to the city to go onto the next leg. And the, the, we woke up and we went kind of hiking for like 30, 40 minutes till the sun rose. And then we stopped off, had breakfast, and it was egg fried rice and a bottle of Coke. And nowhere in the world is that a typical breakfast. No. <laughs> but it's like, well, you just make do yeah. when you're in these circumstances. And this little hike cafe has that's all they have. Yeah, and it really made me that that really sticks in my in my mind because you know I think now we live in such a, a, a globalized world where you know uh, we're,
1: everything's available everywhere. Pretty every, much, everything's yeah.
2: the same pretty much yeah. everywhere, and there's this expectation that when we go to exotic places, we're going to have an authentic yeah. experience. And I think we try and. Um, glorify what we think is authentic too much yeah. because, you know, we have. I have friends and they come to visit from, you know, far, uh, far-flung places, like yeah. you know, um, and you say to them, oh, there's a great Turkish around the corner mm. or there's a great Vietnamese cafe around the corner, should we go? And they're like, I've come all this way to London, <laughs> I want to go to a pub. And we don't think like that ourselves, no. you know, we don't eat authentic British food all no. the time. And you know, and this this now shift is what is authentic, and mm. what's the definition of British food today? And you know, if you were to take a, a, an American friend to a, a modern British restaurant, yeah, they
1: that, wouldn't recognise that as British. No, at perhaps.
2: all, because you'd be like, you know, where's the beef stew? Where's the dumplings? Yeah. Where's the fried food?
1: There's a really nice quote from your mum in the book. I think it was your mum who said. Perfect is the enemy of good. Yeah. Is that right?
2: Well, I mean, uh, which I think
1: was what you were saying about you trying to get the perfect, perfectly authentic thing doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good. Which is the way yeah. you know a, re- a good recipe writer approaches stuff. You want to get the essence of the thing, but you also want it to be something that people can make. And
2: exactly because taste it, good. I, I've seen in the past kind of year lots, you know, reading Amazon reviews about books and reading cookbooks as well there's a lot of criticism when people say, well, I can't get that where I live yeah. and it's all very well and good living in, in, um, in London sometimes, but actually it is impossible to get certain ingredients, even in big cities yeah. like Manchester or Birmingham. True. Uh, I went, um, I went home to a mother's day last year to surprise my mum to make her breakfast. And they live in the outskirts of uh, Liverpool. So, but I went, to, I went via Manchester because I wanted to see an exhibition. And I thought, oh, I'll pick up the ingredients in Manchester rather than lugging them all the way yeah. up with me. <laughs> Couldn't find half of them. So even I was like, this, I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah. You know, this is a city with a million people and a diverse uh, food scene. And I can't find fresh dill or I can't find, you know, a certain smoky yeah, salmon it's a lot or of quirky things
1: like that. Yeah.
2: And it's quite uh, surprising.
1: I guess online's become the the hero of the day for stuff like that as well. I I said I wasn't going to put you on the spot, but I am right now, (laughs) just to say. um, What would be your desert island breakfast dish? What would be the one thing that if you had to eat up for breakfast for the rest of your life, it would would be? Mm,
2: I I think I'd probably go for something Japanese. I think... There's there's something about the Japanese breakfast where it's many components and there's lots of different interesting flavors yeah. and you have the kind of you always have boiled rice or some sort of rice and then you have this your egg whether it's kind of the omelet egg or onsen eggs and then you always have like miso soup and something sweet and something sour and something salty and it's it's so um, there's so much care and attention that's gone into it that you, you're never bored. Mm. But there's no more work that goes into a Japanese breakfast than say a full English breakfast. Yeah. They have as equal number of components. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And a balance con-
1: as well. <laughs> yeah. And I
2: think the nice thing with the Japanese when when I was in Japan a few years ago, there was this kind of real um focus on that perfection is achievable yeah even if even if they never reach it they were trying to achieve it and that is like a kind of uh a beautiful thing in itself yeah that even first thing in the morning someone's prepared you this meal and it's so beautifully all the handmade ceramics and you're kind of sitting on the floor with a bamboo straw Mm. floor and it's just presented to you in, in stages and it's all about kind of Having it turned the correct way, and there is just something so exquisitely detailed,
1: and it lifts your soul, doesn't it? Because it's been it's it's there to kind of perk you up and give you like you know a boost for the day, and it does
2: that absolutely. And I think in in Japan, I think there was I didn't see a single continental breakfast. You know that kind of classic hotel breakfast that it can either be really amazing or can be really depressing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think with the the Japanese breakfast is just. this, there's a real art to it. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think that's a good choice. Well, um, I've been through the book and so many things I want to eat. One of my favourite things I came across is what you call Benny buns.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and it's a brioche bun which is hollowed out and toasted and then you layer it with ham, poached eggs and hollandaise and then bacon again and I was just sold completely on that (laughs) and I was thinking what's a benny bun what's a benny and then I realised it was eggs benedict you know it took me a little while to catch up on that and then the other one I absolutely adore these which is the how do you pronounce that vada pav vada pav yeah
2: yeah they're they're delicious
1: spiced potato burger from Mumbai and I've eaten these before and they're just oh for me like spices for breakfast is just a wonderful thing because yeah. again it really gets your kind of heart racing i agree it gets you kind of you know wakes you up and then if you have some strong indian coffee with it as well mm. that really does do the job but um it's an absolutely stunning book as i said hundreds and hundreds of um gorgeous ideas in in, in here um and it's called symmetry breakfast cook love and share by michael z um it's been published this month is that right
2: oh, it came out last thursday last, last Thursday, mm. so
1: go out and buy it um thank you so much for coming in to no. talk to us today it's My been pleasure. really interesting thank you
0: i told you you were going to feel hungry didn't i now we have janine and anna talking us through one of the possibly the most undervalued and underused british ingredients that we all have in our fridge milk in our september issue we have a fantastic feature using this humble ingredient and here are janine and anna to tell us more
1: so, Anna, we've got a really interesting feature in the um, September issue of Olive. We and do. It, it's all about cooking with milk, which is quite an unusual ingredient as a starting point for, for a
4: recipe. It is, yeah. They're not the um, usual suspects either, actually. No, they're... it's not
1: all sweet things. Um, we've got some really interesting
4: stuff from... Around the globe, what, what which recipes caught your eye when you were testing them? So my favourite, I think, in this feature is the spumato. Oh yeah, with crispy kale and caramelised <laughs> pine nuts. Um, it's it's just a really quick, easy recipe, but it's also it's so delicious. Can
1: you explain what a sfumato is? <laughs> it's so it's <laughs> Love um, saying
4: it's formato. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so it's almost like a souffle. Um we've said sort of in the in, in the introduction, it's a cross between a dense souffle and a crustless quiche. Nice. So and it means unmolded in Italian. So it is so you sort of turn it out onto a plate and it does keep its shape, but it's light as there and then it's got really soft, nutty um cauliflower in the middle mm. and so the batter is quite simple it's sort of eggs milk parmesan a bit of mustard and then on top it's got a uh, fried kale so it's really crispy and then something which I wouldn't have thought to do as well is caramelized pine nuts. Yes, really for, good um, with a little like,
1: bit of sugar on them. Yeah, yeah. that's so good and it's interesting because we've been talking about how cauliflower is the kale of 2016 it just seems to be more and more popular and every time we put a cauliflower recipe up online it goes crazy and this is such a good way of using cauliflower as well. It can, you, I think you roast it before you put it in don't you so it gets slightly caramelized as well and then yeah. it goes into the, the butter. and um, it actually look it does look like a sort of giant cauliflower cake with kale and pine nuts. So it it's does. a really impressive picture though and it's interesting using milk and um, savory recipes and especially Italian recipes. Um, another Another one we've got in there is a very classic Italian recipe, which is pork cooked in milk. Um, and I think traditionally you would do that with a pork loin, and you would simmer it in the milk. And it's not—it's not really a looker of a recipe, the original recipe, because the milk kind of separates separates out a bit. But the but what the milk does do is really tenderize the pork, and then you get this fantastic savory sauce at the end of it. Mm. Um, the recipe we've got uses pork belly and it's cooked in milk and then surrounded by little chunks of potato, and those potatoes then soak up all of the milk and then get a really gorgeous crust on it. So that's it's a real crowd-pleaser, isn't it?
4: It is, and it's almost like it just leaves a bit of gravy at the bottom of yeah. the pan as well, so it's mm. really nice. And then you've still got a little bit of crackling on top of the pork because we're using pork belly. I think it's a great one-pot as well.
1: Everybody yeah. loves a one-pot, well, I do, because I'm lazy.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and then two Mexican recipes,
1: and I think... um. This is where you can see it really getting into the kind of fabric of the cuisine of the country. There's um, a Blanca, which is, um, you make cheese basically from milk, which um, I've I've not done before. Um, and it's a really simple method.
4: Yeah. You just basically heat the milk up a little bit like if you make paneer. Yeah. And then you add lemon juice. And so the, when the milk curdles, you yeah. essentially so strain the, it. So
1: the, the curds separate from the whey. Yeah. And then you strain it, flavour it, and you have cheese. And um, they flavour it with kind of char grilled chilies, and I think we've got we've got some spring onions in there as well. Or... Cumin
4: chilies, yeah. yeah, it's really a
1: really lovely recipe. And served with tortilla chips, and it's just a really lovely way of, of of creating a fresh cheese. And then my other and one of my favourite cake recipes is the tres leches cake, yes. which means three milks. And this is a spectacular cake to get on the table for pudding. Um, it's quite a nice light sponge. And then what you do is you mix together um, evaporated milk, condensed milk and cream, double cream, uh, with some booze, if you like. And then you poke holes in the cake and gradually you soak the sponge in this delicious kind of milk mixture. And I think we've covered it in cream and coconut to finish. But um, when you cut into that cake, it's got the most amazing kind of squidgy, oozy texture. So it's definitely one for a. Little bit of a show off pudding, but um, I was really really impressed at the range of different recipes you can do with milk. Um, and I think if people pick up the mag this month, um there's definitely going to be something in there for them to try.
4: Yeah, they're all a little bit different, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I think the Spanish flan as well is one that sort of really slow cooked with uh, eggs and milk with a sort of it's almost like a creme caramel yeah. style. Which is it's really like a nice. giant creme caramel, yeah.
1: which if you're a fan um, will, will please you very much because <laughs> it, it looks really kind of golden and shiny on the plate. So lots of things in there to, um, to tempt people. And we were talking as well about, obviously, um, on one hand, milk is a fantastic ingredient. On the other hand, some people can't actually tolerate it. So... Just as a um aside to that, we do have a, a feature online, don't we, about alternatives to milk?
4: We do, yeah, and what to use them for as well. Yeah. So the rice milk or almond milk and, yeah. and soy milk. It's sort of um it's a really useful um piece online about the best uses for them, so yeah. which ones to to cook with and which ones to drink neat and, and things like yeah. that
1: so and it, yeah so if you find yourself you know unable to make these but you can still look at the beautiful pictures there's a really useful um uh, feature for you so go go read that on olivemagazine.com but like thanks for talking us through that that's great no thank you
0: if you're feeling inspired to cook with milk, make sure you check out our September issue, the issue on the shelves now with a gorgeous freak shaped cheesecake on the cover for those incredible milk recipes by Bristol food writer Genevieve Taylor. And don't forget to check out that milk feature online at olivemagazine.com for alternative lactose free milks. So that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast, as always. Make sure you tweet us, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube. You know the drill by now. Get in touch. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't. We want to hear from you. And if you've got any ideas or things you want us to talk about in the future, please get in touch. Otherwise, happy cooking. Happy eating, as always. And please, please, please make sure you review and rate us on iTunes so as many wonderful listeners like you can hear us as possible. And thank you again. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye.